Welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. Well, we're in our summer of love. This is our theme for this, this summer. And um, I'm so excited to be with you all today. I didn't preach in a little while here, so I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to be able to preach um, to the family of God. It's always an honor and a privilege to be able to, to open up my mouth to have something to say that God wants to say. And, um, you know, it's not just talking, right? It's about hearing what heaven wants to say and do. And I'm believing that whatever it is that you are believing God for, that heaven and earth is going to align and it's going to intersect in something good for you. Amen? And so it's always important, though, when you come to church, you have an expectation, right? Because if you're not expecting anything, you know, church will be just going like going to the library, right? It'll just be like going to school or going anywhere else. You just sit down and hear information, hear somebody talk to you, and you go home. But when you step into the house of God, you got to have a different expectation, right? You know, like if you, you, ever been, you ever went to a basketball game with someone who didn't like basketball? It's like, why'd you come? <laughs> like, why are you here? Right? Because if you're going somewhere, you're stepping into the atmosphere and the environment that whatever that experience is offering, you get to experience it, right? And so it's always important that there is an experience inside of the environments that you step into. There's an experience in every environment that you step into. And when you come, you go to school, you expect to learn, right? You expect to be educated. When you come to church, you expect to encounter God. And you should never come into the house of God without an expectation to encounter him. So, yes, we do come to encounter and connect with one, with one another. But we can do that anywhere, right? We go to an ice cream shop and do that. But when we gather like this, we're not only coming to meet with each other, but we're here to meet with God. And I love that God can come with, with the noise. He can come with a small, still voice. God will just whisper something to you while the preaching is that God has something in store for you. Amen? Amen. All right. I had a um, good time for the last two weeks. I was preaching at my brother's church, Love City. Uh, we had a powerful experience. We saw some healings today, praise God. Some healings, some breakthroughs that happened there. Prophet Jackie was there. Amen. So I'm excited that God is still healing. Amen. God is doing something cool. Everybody say intimacy. intimacy. I want you to turn your Bibles with me. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. And we're beginning this journey this summer. As we call the summer of love, we're beginning this journey where we are going deeper into the love of God. And I want you to understand that you can never exhaust this topic. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. So when I talk about this mess, talk about specifically God's love, I try not to have too many notes because it's too much to say. You know, it's too much to talk about. But I'm more, con I'm more focused on you having an experience with his love more than I am trying to fill your mind with the theory of God's love. Because a lot of people, when you, when you hear a message like the love of God, we hear about it so much that it can sound like a subject 
that you don't need to hear about anymore because we've been hearing about God loves you since you were a kid, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus. Y'all know it, right? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus. The tells me. Good. Amen. Sing, church. That's awesome. H4G City. Gospel choir. <laughs> Mass choir. But the love of God is foundational. Many of you grew up hearing that. You've been told that. And it's important, right? Because it's like the foundational aspect to not only your life as a Christian, but to the human experience. We need to know how loved we are. And it's so important to be reminded about God's love for you because you're in a world where not everybody loves equally, right? And not everybody loves everybody. And so we know God loves everybody, and, we, in, in he's, and he's, he's revealed that to us, according to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we find out in John 3, 16 that our life is directly connected to his love, right? That God created us in his love. He designed us in his love. He, he preordained and, and, and established before the foundations of the earth that we will be alive today. And he didn't do it because he hated us. He didn't create us because he didn't like us. He created us because he loved us. In fact, we find out that when God created you and me, he chose to create us in his very own image and in his very own likeness. Now, that's powerful, right? Because for God to hate you would mean God would have to hate himself. Because you look like God. So when God sees you, he sees himself because he made you in his image. So it's impossible for God to have any low thoughts about you. Because if, any, if he sees you and he sees himself, to have any low thoughts about you would mean he will have low thoughts of himself. And God is love. So if God is love and you were made in his image and likeness, what does that make, what does that make you? That makes you love. Look at somebody next to you and say, I am love. Not just loved, you are love. And so one of the things that you're going to, we're going to begin to unpack this, this summer is that you're going to begin to rediscover your true identity, your true nature as a lover. You see, love is the most natural state of being. Love is the most natural state of being. When you are outside of love, you are in an unnatural state. When you are in anger, when you are in jealousy, when you are in envy, when you are in any of those negative emotions, you are no longer in your natural state of being. And what the devil wants to do is allow situations and people, what people say and people's opinions and people's thoughts, what the enemy wants to do is to lie to you to get you to believe something else about who you really are. 
And so this whole warfare about when the enemy is, is you know, he, he attacks you and the enemy does things against you, it's really not just so much about getting you to do something wrong as much as he is trying to get you to believe something wrong about yourself. And so I want to just open up the scriptures and show you something. Um, Ephesians 3, verse 19 says this. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So if the Bible says that we need to know the love of Christ so that we can be filled to the fullness, and that means until we know this love, we, will, we are lacking something. We are missing something in our lives and we are empty of something that we need to be filled, full of. And so it is important that we realize that knowing the love of Christ is the, is the key to fullness. I'll say that again. Knowing the love of Christ is the key to fullness. That the, the, the height of, of the human experience is to be loved and to be full of the love that God has for us. Nothing will bring the best out of you more than being filled with the revelation and the understanding of how loved you are. I'm telling you, all success, favor, blessing comes from us awa becoming aware of the truth of how loved we are. Until you know how loved you are, your marriages won't be as successful as it can be. Until you know how loved you are, your businesses can be as successful as you can be. Your success in life is directly linked to the quality of your understanding of how loved you are. You can't raise your kids properly until you know how loved you are. Because you start looking for people to give you something that they can't give you. It can only come from God. People have four and five and six kids because they're looking for love from their children and a love that can only be satisfied by God himself. People get on drugs and they look for different feelings and different highs and different emotional experiences only because the one thing they're looking for is right there, the love of God. I remember watching an interview with Whitney Houston when they were, she was talking about her issues and everything like that on, at Channel 7. And then um, they started talking about the love of God. And then um, Whitney Houston said, I know God loves me. I know God loves me. This is when she was in the middle of all the stuff with, all the, with the drugs and the accusations with Bobby Brown and everything. She said, I know God loves me. Jesus loves me. And she started singing the song. But we know that despite of her knowing about how much she was loved, it didn't translate into her life. It didn't trans... So is what she knew in theory was not what she knew in practicality. It was not something that it was experiential to her. And that's the thing that I want to attack. That again, many of us can tell anybody that God loves us. We know that, but is it what we, is it what we know to be true? Is it what we're experiencing? Do we wake up every day knowing how loved we are? Do you go to sleep realizing how loved you are? Is it something that you know in theory or is it something that is real to you? And when, when, when the Bible says to know the love of Christ, look at what it says. It surpasses knowledge. 
It goes beyond knowledge. What does that mean? It means that this love that we're talking about is not just theory, is not just informational. It is something that is supposed to bypass the mind, bypass the intellect, and it, enter, it, it begins to invade our hearts and it becomes a reality. It becomes something that we live from every single day. It, it fills your heart. It goes beyond your mind. What you can tell me, information you can tell me, what you can put on a test, that's just knowledge. We're talking about something much deeper now. We're bypassing the mind and we're now getting it into our hearts. What do we believe at a heart level? Do we know we're loved? Do we feel loved? See, because when it's in your heart, you feel it. Right? It's not just what you know. It's what you now feel like. So the question I want you to ask you, how loved do you feel? When the love of God fills you, it, you can feel it. When something, when anger, when, when, you, when, you, when you are filled with anger, don't you feel angry? Yes. <laughs> right? When you're filled with stress, you feel it. If I'm filled with love, I should feel that too. So let's not just talk about it in theory. How much of the love of God are we carrying every single day? And I have good news for you because if you don't know, if you don't experience it, if you haven't, filled, haven't been filled with it, God wants to fill you with that today oh, and the next day. And he wants you to grow in love. Amen? Amen? Look at this. So the word knowledge right here, so we know he's not, he, he says that it has to bypass reasoning, it has to bypass comprehension, it has to bypass intellectualism. So he's talking about another type of knowing. So what does that mean? How can I know something beyond knowing it? Look at what the, the word knowledge is, the word gnosko. I'm sure to write this, well, you don't have to write the word down. You can look it up later. Gnosko. To know. It means to come to realize by personal experience. It's to have a first-hand encounter. To know by personal experience or to have a first-hand encounter. It's not a second-hand type of information or knowledge, but a first-hand experience. It's also used when referring to sexual intimacy. So when the Bible says that Adam knew Eve or knew his wife, it wasn't talking about intellectualism. It was the fact that they had an intimacy. They had an intimacy. They had a personal, direct contact with each other. <laughs> right? When, um, the, when the angel told Mary that you, will, um, you were going to give birth to the Son of God, Mary said, how could this be that I never knew a man? Again, it was talking about the sexual intimacy. So a personal experience that happens through having direct 
contact with God. This is what happens when we have a direct contact with God. There is a personal experience or transference that happens in which we are now awakened and become alive to the love of God that is everlasting, that is eternal. God never stops loving because that is who he is. So which lets me know that if I'm not growing in love, then maybe I'm not increasing in my relationship with God. That one of the ways that I can measure that I am growing up in God is that I am growing up in love. My love for people is widening. My love for people is becoming more genuine. What did Jesus say is the greatest command? The greatest commandment. Matthew 22, 37, he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then the second is equal with the first. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I like to break it down this way that we are, is, there is supposed to be a love triangle going on. That at the top of the triangle is God. On another end, there's, there's people. And on the other end, there's self. And Jesus said we ought to love God with everything we have. And then we are supposed to love people and love each other equally. He says this is the greatest command. Now, if we're in a love triangle and we are loving God, we're loving ourselves and loving people, then the thing we must always be aware of is, okay, many of you have been taught by religion to love God. You've been taught that. Maybe you were taught to love other people. <laughs> Maybe. Because most Christians are more worried about being right. Most Christians are, tr are more worried about, because they, they're not convinced of how saved they are yet, yeah. so they're more worried about just living right than they are about loving people. So I'm worried about my salvation. I got to work this out. I don't got time to be messing, be messing around with y'all. <laughs> I just want to stay saved and get to heaven. And that's where some people's religion stops right there. And then we don't even get to the other aspect of the triangle, loving yourself. Bad religion will teach you to love everybody else but yourself. <laughs> you give yourself to everything and everybody else but you. And Jesus said you can only love people as you love yourself. So no wonder you can't love people because you don't love yourself. You can't give people something that you're not giving yourself first. It's powerful. You spend time praying for other people, but you don't even pray for yourself. You can't give people something you're not giving yourself. That's why forgiveness is hard. You can't forgive people. Why? Because you haven't forgiven yourself yet. That's the only reason why it's hard. You see? And the Bible then tells us in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. So it, it doesn't even begin with me trying to love because when you start trying to love people, you'll realize just how inadequate you are in this area. Because you don't have much of it to give on your own. 
The only love I can actually love you back with is the love I first received from God. So I, I got to receive love for myself. Then I'm able to give that to God. And then I'm able to distribute that to others. The Bible says freely you have received. Freely you give. I used to always think I got to give to receive. No, the Bible says receive, then you can give. Freely you have received, freely you give. And so if God loves me first, and if God loves us first, then I must first get into a position or a posture where I'm in a position to receive the love God has for me. Some of you are in a season where you're trying to give something and you don't have it. And so now you're frustrated and you're angry and you don't feel holy enough when all you got to do is just get back to a place of absolute surrender. Say, God, feed me. Pour into me. I need your love. It's like a baby, right? A baby needs a mother's milk in order to, to be nourished and to grow. For us, the love of God is that milk. It's that baby's milk. It's what we need to continue to drink and we need to be strong in. And I, so many Christians are malnourished because they try to bypass the milk and try to eat meat. And you can't eat meat if you're a baby. And the amazing thing about milk is you don't stop milking it. So you don't stop milking it. You don't start drinking it when you grow up. You still drink milk today, but you can add other things to your diet. But you don't stop drinking milk. Does a body good. Imagine the love of God. <laughs> Imagine the love of God is that thing. It's the great, it's the great, Jesus said it's the greatest commandment. Right? First John, not first, first Corinthians 13 at the end. He says there is uh, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest. The greatest. Jesus talked about the fruit of the Spirit. No, Jesus, Paul. Paul said the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Self-control, all that stuff. The Lord said to me when I read that over, I realized that love was included in the fruit of the Spirit, right? And it's the greatest. And I understood why Paul wrote about desiring the spiritual gifts, but to earnestly desire love, to love. Because if love is the greatest, then that means love is even greater than the gifts of the Spirit. That love is greater than the prophetic. Love is even greater than the miraculous. If we can grow in love, that in and of itself would be the greatest miracle that we can ever walk in because love is the greatest. The fruit of the Spirit is greater than the gifts of the Spirit. And if we try to build our church just on gifts, you'll find that churches will become comp competitive, performance-based. It's my gift against your gift. But when, it, when, we, when, we, when we start when we start focusing on the fruit of the Spirit, 
we actually build a, a type of culture and environment that can not only host the, the presence of God, and not only can we grow in the gifts of the Spirit better, but it also creates a type of environment that the world is looking for. Because the Bible says, gifts come without repentance. Gifts come without repentance. So uh, uh, my, my gift is not, does, is not really a sign that I'm growing in God. Because I can grow in a gift and never grow in repentance. So a person can prophesy, give words of knowledge, can heal the sick, can do all types of supernatural amazing things. Grow a church. People are drawn by the excitement and the charisma of that gift. And that person behind closed doors is raping the members is beating on their wife, doing all types of stuff that we don't know because it's just a gift. The gifts come free. You see? So gifts can come without repentance, but guess what? The fruits have to come with repentance. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is a greater sign of maturity than the gifts. Right? You can counterfeit gifts. You can't fake the fruit. You can't fake, you can't fake the fruit. The devil can't fake love. And the only reason why you will fall for the fake. Only reason why a person will fall for the fake is because you're still fake. Real recognizes. You can't fall for it. The devil will come as an angel of light, working miracles, signs, and wonders, but the devil will never walk around loving people. Amen. Hallelujah. You see why love is important? If you step out of love, you get on devil's territory because the devil cannot love. God is love. That means the devil hates love. And the devil will do everything in his power to, to distract you, detour you, and pull you out of love and get you into self-hatred. He'll get you into, into pity. He'll get you into all these other things that will cause you to be able to, to cause your, your natural state of being. Where all that's good and all that's perfect about you, which can only be discovered as you stay in love, you will start losing it you start losing a sense of who you are until you get back into love. So this is why we're admonishing you and challenging you to keep love as the main thing. As you grow, as you seek God, as you even pursue the things you want in life, don't ever get outside of love to get to where you want to be. The favor of God will remain on you if you choose to keep loving people. And you choose to keep loving yourself. And love is a choice, isn't it? Love is a choice. You better believe it is. Love is a daily choice. It's a, it's a daily walk. It's something that you must choose to do. And it must be something you choose to receive. How do you receive the love of God? How do you receive the love of God? Number one, let you write this down. If the love of, the love of God is a firsthand encounter... If it is something that we can experience, well, write that down, number one. It is something that you can experience. I want you to write that down. Because I, I don't think enough Christians realize that. 
It's an experience, you know. Now, hearing about it sets you up to experience it. That's why we must preach. The Bible says, how can they believe unless someone is, pre- someone is sent to preach? So I, I'm preaching to you about this love and knowing, letting you know that it's experiential so that you can begin to open your heart to receive it. The teaching of love is not complete until it leads you into an experience with love himself. That's why Jesus said in John 14, he says, he says that um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to who? The Father unless they come through me. Watch this. For years I read that verse. And I heard that verse preached. As just no one can go to heaven. When I hear that, that's what I always thought about. Jesus is the way to heaven. No man can go to heaven unless they go through him. Right? That's not what he, what he said. No man can come to who? The Father. Where is Jesus taking you? To the Father. So you meet Jesus. The Holy Spirit opens your eyes, shows you Jesus. You meet Jesus. Now Jesus takes your hand and says, now let me take you somewhere. Jesus is taking you somewhere. It doesn't stop with Jesus. You meet Jesus, but Jesus says, come, let me take you to meet someone. Where is he taking you? The Father. (laughs) Who's the Father? Ah. The Father. Daddy. Abba. Love. God is love. For God so loved the world, he sent his son. He sent Jesus. The father sent the son so that the son can bring us to the father. When we meet the father, we're meeting love. So one reason why you don't see more Christians walking in love yet is because they stopped at Jesus. Jesus is taking you to the Father who is love. They never make it to the Father yet. I told you there's depths to this, right? There's levels to this. I thought all I needed to do was accept Jesus. Yeah, I accept him. And then Jesus says, I'm, it's like going to your, like when I um, would invite people to my house when I was a kid. Someone would come over to my house. But I couldn't just bring them to my house. Right. <laughs> After they come to my house, dad, mom, here's Sean. Here's Larry. I had to introduce who I was bringing to my house to my parents. My parents had to meet them before they could go in my room. (laughs) Right? If you grew up at home with manners and order, there was a progression, right? You couldn't just go in the fridge either. Their friend couldn't just walk into your fridge. (laughs) Right? There's order. And you had to introduce your friends to your parents. So when Jesus brought you, 
out of darkness into light, translated you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You're in his kingdom. Now the next thing the son wants to do is take you to the king, take you to the father. I want you to meet my dad. I want you to meet my dad. I want you to know the father. See, the love that, you, that I was sent with is the love he wants to give you. Does this make sense? Once you discover the truth of Jesus, he wants you to discover the truth about his father. Jesus saves you, then he leads you to his father, who is love. We serve a relational God, and the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, all wants us walking in intimacy with them. And as we come into union with him, we'll begin to explore the depths, the width, the breadth of how loved we are because that is the missing ingredient to this whole equation. You can know about faith. You can know about holiness. You can know about righteousness. You can know about all the other gifts. You can know about anything. But if you don't know the love of God, I'm telling you, all those other things, all those other... See, I, see I'll get to another thing, right? Spiritual warfare is something that I'm not afraid of at all. I love it, actually. But one thing you got to recognize is this. When you get into sp something like spiritual warfare is that, unfortunately, Christians today might hear more about that than they hear about the love of God. So what's wrong with that? You pay more attention to the wrong thing. You see that? If I'm, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm teaching you about warfare and you just got saved. And I don't know how loved I am. That's not, you're already on slippery slope, right? Because your passion and your zeal might compel you in the first few months or year or two. But then after a while, you'd be like, why am I doing all of this? I thought God was supposed to be fighting for me. Right? <laughs> and everything is a fight. <laughs> and when you read the Gospels, man, Jesus didn't spend his life worried about fighting the devil. He spent his life Laying it down through love. Helping people see how much they're worth. Helping people see how much they are loved. Because when you're loved, you help love people, right? You're, you have something to give people. That's the goal. You know how loved you are, and ministry just becomes an overflow of the love you know you have. It's not a burden anymore. I'm not struggling to love people because I'm receiving an abundance of it. It's never ending. God never stops loving us. Once you are aware of how deep this is and how constant this is and how he's, his love is like a waterfall. It just keeps pouring out. He's pouring out no matter what mistakes you do, no matter what sins you commit, no matter what you've done wrong. He just keeps loving you. That's who he is. When you get this down in your spirit, and in your soul, you're unstoppable. My final verse, John 17. Hallelujah.
so much we could say. John 17, verse 20. No. I didn't pull it up in my Bible. Worship team, get ready to sing. All right, John 17, verse 20. I don't pray for these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. Watch this. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory, everybody say the glory. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me, watch this, and have loved them as you have loved me. I'm going to end right here. Notice what Jesus just said. This is Jesus praying to the Father, his last prayer before he begins his journey to the cross. You can say that this was his, his dying prayer or his last wishes to the Father. He said, I pray that they might be one even as you are one. One thing you want to know about love is that love unites. Love unites. In fact, write this down. The goal of love is unity. The goal of love is unity. Two become one. A few become one. When love is not uniting, it's no longer love. When the goal of love is about one person wanting to have their way and the other person doesn't, it's not love. The goal of love is unity. And here it is. Jesus says that his prayer was that we will be one even as he and the Father are one are in agreement, are on the same page, are on the same level, the same category, the same class. And he goes on to say right there in verse 23, that you, he, was, he said, that they may be made perfect in one. So love is what's going to make us perfect. That they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me. How shall all men know that you are my disciples? That you have love one for another, that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That's a bomb right there. Jesus said, the Father loves you as he loved Jesus. In other words, God doesn't love Jesus more than he loves you. God loves you the same way he loves Jesus. He doesn't love Jesus more and love you less. You are loved equally with Jesus. Woo. I said you are loved equally with Jesus. 
God doesn't have more of, Jesus doesn't have more of God's attention than you. God wants to give, is showing you the same amount of attention he's given Jesus right now. Because Jesus said, the glory you've given me, I've given them. The dignity, the honor, the worth you've given me, I have given them. You're not less than Jesus, church. You and Jesus are one because Jesus prayed that the same glory, the same way the Father has loved me, the same way the Father has sent me, I have given you the same love so that you can be one with me, equal with me, sameness, sharing equality with Jesus. That's the glory. That is the glory. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. But the glory has been revealed to us in Christ. He said it's, it's love. It's the word sin means to miss the mark. All have sinned. All have missed the mark. Missed the standard. Missed where we were supposed to be. The aim, the target, the bullseye. We all sinned and missed that mark and fallen short of the glory. That was the mark. But Christ came to restore the glory back to us. That's why the glory is the only thing that's going to pull us out of sin. Because sin is not just about bad behavior, church. It's not just about bad thinking. It's not just doing the wrong things. It's about you not knowing who you are. And the glory of God has been released back to us if we are opening our hearts today to receive it. That glory is not a cloud. The glory is love. Woo. Hallelujah. The love of God is, is, is repairing. The love of God is transforming. The love of God is destructive as well as constructive. Because when God's love begins to infill your life, it starts breaking down some things. It starts tearing down some things that shouldn't be there. And it starts to start building some things that need to be there. Hallelujah. So his love is as much destructive to evil than it is constructive of good. How many of you want the love of God? To invade their world and their life and their space. Listen, and to do that, you just got to let go. You have to forget the right you feel you have to choose to stay angry, to stay bitter. I don't, you got to get to a place where you say, I don't care who did what to me. Because as long as you keep holding on to the fact that somebody did you wrong and you feel you have the right to stay angry, or to stay bitter, then you will remain there. So that's why forgiveness is what releases us to receive the love of God. I, I, I ask, Lord God, I, I, I forgive and I let go because I can't hold on to grudge and pain and anger and open up my heart to love at the same time. One has to go in order to let the other one in. Come on, church. If you're ready to receive the love of God, I don't, again, your whole life, just one heartbreak can hold your life up and set your life back. You know that? You can go through a heartbreak, a divorce, someone left you, someone rejected you, someone abandoned you, and you can harbor that thing and it'll keep you outside of the awareness of how loved you are right now. 
and you will hold your whole life up. You can't move forward. Nothing works for you. Your business, your jobs, nothing will work because you can't focus and you can't be your, your best self because you're not in love. So I want to give us the opportunity right now to experience and receive the love of God. Today's a good day to receive his love. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.